Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. China Perspective. Money FM 89.3, it's now time for China Perspective, where we unpack key headlines out of China. Uh, we've got a stream of suspected Chinese weather balloons crossing into Taiwan's airspace over the weekend. That's a bit of an uptick of activity at the start of the Chinese New Year holiday. Uh, Taiwan, which uh, of course uh, we know China claims as its own territory, has complained since December about the balloons. Uh, they are saying that they are a threat to aviation safety and an attempt at psychological warfare. Well, the new Balloon sightings also come after Taiwan held the presidential election on January 13th. That was won by the ruling Democratic Progressive Party's Lai Chengte, who Beijing regards as a separatist. So is there meaning to these new balloon sightings? On the line with me is Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O. Singyan Kuala, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all of you, indeed. <laughs> a couple of issues uh, coming out over the Lunar New Year weekend. Taiwan's Defense Ministry is saying that it detected eight Chinese balloons crossing the Taiwan Straits. Uh, the potential for China to use balloons for spying becoming a bit of a global issue since last year. Uh, you'll remember the U.S. shot down what it said was a surveillance balloon. This is the largest on record, eight balloons. I mean, I guess they're not having a Chinese New Year holiday. Well, it's uh, number eight. It's rather uh, auspicious, right? For <laughs> Fair Chinese, enough. Right? Yeah. So this is, uh, shall we say, a very special kind of Chinese New Year gift to Taiwan and especially to, uh, shall we say, the continuing the DPP, a Democratic Progressive Party administration. Yeah. As you mentioned, Mr. Lai is elected to be the new president and will continue with DPP rule in Taiwan. Mm. And the China side is, of course, not too thrilled about it. So just like with uh, previously, we had China jet fighters sort of encircling Taiwan. And then some of those uh, China warships would cross the the median line in the Taiwan Straits and so on. This is, of course, a new form of uh, China. Well, in a sense, uh, still uh, sending some warning signals to Taiwan that they do mind Taiwan being not united yet. As to whether it's a spying uh, sort of uh, new spying method, uh, I think that remains to be seen. Yeah, I think even and point of speculation, even if it were a spying method, the psychological effects serve a greater purpose, doesn't it? Uh, I- indeed, it does. Uh, oh, just as with this uh, uh, warplane encircling yeah. and the warships uh, also crossing the line and so on, yeah. 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 These are mean as a form of uh, psychological warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Like a reminder, hey, I'm still here. Okay, from the skies to the sea, China has been accused by the Philippines, uh, I believe this was over the weekend, uh, being accused of dangerous maneuvers when its vessel patrolled near the Scarborough Shoal in the South China Sea this month. Now, the reef has been a bit of a flashpoint between the countries since China seized it from the Philippines. This was back in 2012. Dr. Oh, help us out. Uh, what is this latest development? Well, this has become almost like a regular monthly discussion topic for us, isn't it? That uh, China and the Philippines will have some run-ins on uh, disputed maritime territories, uh, usually around Scarborough Fair. And I think in this latest uh, episode, it's uh, some China Coast Guard uh, ships uh, constantly cutting in front of their Filipino uh, counterparts. 
and thereby, of course, they have uh, almost of of, uh, of uh, run-ins uh, in those uh, disputed maritime territory. I frankly see no end to it. Uh, probably uh, a month from now, we are going to have very similar discussion again. But these uh, ways that uh, countries would like to uh, sort of, in a sense, mark their territory, because if they don't do so, then in future, the other side will say, oh, you have abandoned your claim. So that's why they have to constantly do this sort of uh, almost run in. Yeah. I guess then it's safe to say we expect these these differences to continue to heat up, especially in, in a U.S. election year. Could this play a part? Usually it's when there's a Filipino election year, all right, all uh, right. then you will see it really heighten up. But let's see, I, I think now the U.S.-China relations, it's sort of warming up a little bit. So let's see how it will play out, you know, a few months from now. Yeah. Okay, Mexico in the meantime surpassed China as the leading source of goods imported into the U.S. last year. This is the first time in two decades, by the way. We're talking about goods imported from Mexico into the United States, increasing nearly 5% between 2022 and 2023. Now, during that same period, Doctor, China's imports into the U.S. plummeted 20% to $427 billion. The last time that Mexican goods imported by the U.S. exceeded the value of Chinese exports was in 2002, so two decades. There is a shift. Americans seem to be buying more stuff from Mexico over China. Is it down to the narrative that politics has created? What is it down to? Well, it's down to two things. I think, uh, number one, because uh, the U.S. has a number of uh, boycotts against uh, China, and therefore they will have to buy their uh, goods uh, and maybe even services from south of the border, from Mexico, Mm. where there are a lot of uh, American manufacturing plants. Right. But number two, it's also, well, if you travel enough in China, you will hear some of your businessmen friends there telling you now that they are expanding their wings to Mexico. They are setting up factories in Mexico because they knew that the U.S. uh, is uh, sanctioning against uh, China products and therefore they're investing in Mexico and uh, make all those made-in-Mexico products to be imported into the U.S. So they still make money out of it. Yeah, I mean, and you don't have to use a plane, right? You can go by trucks. Uh, so that's a significance there. Um, talking about the long-term significance of this trade data, potentially could get worse if uh, Donald Trump gets elected president at the end of the year. Well, but there's a caveat to that, right? Donald mm. Trump does not quite welcome the Mexicans into the United States. Where are they I don't know go? about Mexican goods. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... He will stop a lot of Mexican immigrants at the border. I'm not so sure about the goods. So let's see how it plays out because it will never get into his brain. Yeah, yeah. More, more things for us to discuss, I suppose. Now, if you were in the Chinese government, you surely would be thinking about a way around this. Because, it, it, I mean, we keep talking about the U.S.-China relationship. We hope things can improve. We hope everyone's happy. But it's always one step forward, two steps back. Should China start looking at elsewhere to move forward? Well, of course, uh, I think since at least, uh, let's say, two years ago, they've been looking elsewhere. Number one, it's uh, Europe. Uh, China has struck up improved trading relationships with the like of, uh, let's say, uh, France and uh, Germany. But the other destination is, of course, uh, right here in uh, Southeast Asia. Mm to uh, Malaysia, to uh, Vietnam, to Singapore, 
and to various other Southeast Asian countries here. There is one piece of positive headline we can talk about from China. Uh, Singapore and China agreeing a 30-day mutual visa-free entry for citizens. So this is uh, close to two months after the proposal was first announced. The agreement formally enters into force the eve of Chinese New Year. This is going to be great. Uh, it'll make Singapore more appealing to Chinese tourists, I guess. Well, indeed, uh, except your competitors. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the Chinese could also enter Malaysia for 30 days for free. True. I mean, for, for, with, without visa. Without visa, so, yeah. But, I mean, we are friendly competitors, right? Malaysia, mm-hmm. Singapore, and so Chinese uh, tourists. The more high-end ones, uh, frankly speaking, will still end up in uh, Singapore yeah. and the medium strata in Malaysia and in uh, Thailand. Yeah. So, Dr. O, uh, Thailand's also, like you mentioned, uh, also introducing its own visa exemption for Chinese travellers. I, I was at a wedding earlier and I was speaking to uh, some Chinese French guests. Now, this couple is trying to organize their wedding in France and uh, mentioned that because they have Chinese relatives from China, it's a little bit complicated to get the visa, blah, blah, blah. So they did it in Singapore instead and in, instead of France. Is China really, or how can China do more to to do away with these visa entries? And would that really play and or make an impact into tourism uh, within these countries from the Chinese tourists? Your thoughts on this? Should more effort be put into it? Friends of my home state of Sada, indeed, if you have visa-free uh, travel, nowadays uh, there are more, more and more of these tourists. They are not into organized uh, tour packages. They are like uh, divers, mountain climbers, or well, shall we say, adventure seekers. So, yeah, I mean, for them, it's very attractive where you could go to a place where you don't need to apply visa months ahead of time and so on. You could just go for a weekend trip, and I think the destination countries or, or regions would indeed uh, welcome such uh, tourists. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's a huge economy, the tourism economy. I've been speaking with Dr. O.A. Sun, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. As always, sir, appreciate your time. Take care and have a great Tuesday. Well, thank you very much indeed, and Happy New Year once again. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.